Listen to ordinary people who lead extraordinary lives. Their leadership style is forever impressed in the hearts and minds of people, be it in their professions, personal life, and or in communities by being an example of greatness. Be inspired by these personal stories and prepare to be both moved and motivated as serial entrepreneur Maurice Manley II interviews present and future icons. Challenge yourself to recognize the leader that lives within so that you may continue to grow and experience amazing things in life. We are all capable of leadership. Take charge and lead up. This is episode number 94. Your problems could be your purpose. When it comes to work ethic, there's one person that instantly comes to mind, Austin Dove. As an all-star attorney, legal correspondent for news outlets, and the founder of community-based organization Justice X, Austin's relentless pursuit of his dreams and purpose do not tire. He keeps his goals in front of him because he believes you can't be what you can't see. Let's jump into this discussion and learn how to turn problems into opportunities. I present to you, Austin Dove. Welcome back to another episode of Lead Up. Joining me today is my good friend, you guys that have been following the Lead Up podcast for some time, probably heard him and his wife on a prior episode. In fact, it was episode number 18 entitled Relationships Designed to Lead. It's a great episode. If you haven't heard it, I, I suggest you check it out. But uh, yeah, he, he, this man right here is well accomplished. He is a great friend of mine. I consider him family. He's a successful attorney who is just blazing the trail. Uh, and we'll get into that. He has a, a new project called Justice X and it's, it's community-based, community-driven. And uh, he's a, in my opinion, a one-of-a-kind entrepreneur, Austin Dove. How you doing, my man? I'm doing great, Maurice. Thank you. Thanks for having me today. Oh, man. Thanks for coming on. So I'm going to run the format of this a little bit different just because of who you are. And, you know, we talk a lot. I'm not going to mm -hmm. follow my traditional uh, format. I'm probably going to be bouncing around a lot, but it just all it, it all comes together. So just kind of track with me. So I want to get yeah. into one of the things that I admire about you the most is your work ethic and how you just, you pound the pavement consistently. Since I've known you, you've just been, you're, you're relentless. And how do you define work ethic and how can someone create a better work ethic? I think the origins of work ethic um, are about, um, about uh, discomfort. I think that you have to constantly, um, evaluate where you are and whether that's um really the your best self if you can, if you're really in a place that's um that is like the definitive you you have to i write i'm a very big believer in this sort of like the integration process i call it where you write 
goals down. People are very familiar with that. Uh, and so I've always written goals that are beyond the immediate like vision, you know, goals that exceed what I think can happen. And then I think it, I, um, I sort of plug, uh, you know, my, my nephew would say, what's your biggest fear? And I say fear, you know, cause I don't, I don't, I, I abuse our, our managed fear by kind of creating um, a set of tools to reach past the thing that gives me the biggest concern. So mm -hmm. if I have, for example, a, a large case that I'm managing and I'm litigating and I'm thinking about all the bad things that are going to happen, you know, the witnesses who are going to come on that are going to be against me, um, the conflict I'm going to have with uh, other parties, other attorneys, things of that nature, then I start to sort of um, identify each one of those as, and I, those are my specific fears. What's my biggest fear? I always kind of put that out there. Um, and, and I begin to address them. And then once you sort of um, take your fears, and I, I actually do believe that a lot of people's limitations are based upon just a, a, a refusal or a denial of confronting their fears. Fears are our, part of our own imagination. Yes. The obstacles that we create for ourselves. Right. So to get through to the, the larger uh, objective that you have, if you identify those fears, and manage them in a particular way, then you start to be able to take them out one at a time. Hmm. And so the relentlessness that you described comes from me kind of constantly creating uh, bigger obstacles that have more fears that I can undo. And then in hmm. the undoing process of the fears, uh, I'm getting to, to new spaces. I think that's that's worked well for me. So it, it sounds like what you're saying is you've recognized that fear can potentially be your enemy but you kind of flipped it on his head and made a game game out of it and saying, okay, how many opportunities can I create? But the opportunities are, they come from fear. So let me create or put myself in the situation of, or circumstance to where there's a ever present of fear, but there's a greater opportunity if I push past, is that accurate? That's accurate. Yeah. It's, it's like, yes, it is. It is sort of a game. It certainly um, becomes a sort of your own manufactured puzzle. I mean, we're all kind of born with something, a purpose to do. I, I strongly believe that we all have a purpose of function. And, and it's a, a sad truth that many of us either never reach it, never fulfill it, mm -hmm. uh, are intimidated by it, uh, believe that it's unobtainable, uh, unattainable. Um, and so all, all those are you know, the, the things that are out there in your mind that got that sort of, I guess, God kind of plants in you from the beginning, like, you know, you could be a, a you know, an entertainer or a promoter or a musician or a dancer or whatever your sort of passion is. And and by the way, I believe that it can keep uh, occurring throughout your entire life. There's no like moment that you have to stop and say, oh, you know, I've had done it. I've had a full life. So to each one of those kind of um, th that, that, that sort of, um, fire that's embedded in all of us on some level because mm -hmm. otherwise we wouldn't survive we can't survive without some fire in us at you know just to exist right uh is is made more ripe and more vivid and more um you know really beautiful if you look at its its best highest like um design like you know if you're if you're saying well i want to be an architect well what is the best type of architect what does that look like to you yeah 
the second thing I really want to talk about uh, that I think about often is what does next level look like? You have lead up. That's kind of like level up, you know. It's like, what does that really mean when people say, well, what's, what's, even my son asked, what, what does that mean? I always talk about level up, level up. And I'm like, you know, what it really means is when you're, so much is done with mediocrity. Mm-hmm. So much is done uh, with sort of, um, you know, accepting what someone else did and saying, oh, I'm going to do that too. And then that's this kind of a little mini blend of that. Whereas the creative part of anything that you're involved in is how you get to the next level of it, how you reach the point where you go from, you know, um, employee or, um, you know, sort of apprentice to like creator, designer, owner. Right. Because you're looking at ways to say, well, there's a product out here, or an exercise out here that can be done better. So it, it, in that, so there's a fuel right there. There's like a goal you, you, you set for yourself. I can do this better. I want to make more money. I want not to do the thing I'm doing now every day. You identify that. And then so the really next level is, um, I, the, the, the key word for me is obsession. Mm. I think everyone has to be obsessed with something. Yeah, You should find something that you know more than everybody about. This is something that you're interested in. I don't care if it's jazz music, if it's, uh, you know, 1960s cars, yeah. if it's uh, some sort of uh, period of history uh, that you kind of have gotten to know. But there should be something that you know um, as well as are better than most people out there. And the reason is it gives you an expertise. Mm-hmm. And very often the thing that you're going to become passionate about is has a, a correlation that is the thing that you're going to become obsessed about, even if it's something like, you know, um, you know, uh, rhythm, rhythm and blues from, you know, the, that, the early right. origins of that. Right, right. right. Um, it, it, it's going to have some correlation in some way to what you are trying to do today. You might be an accountant, mm-hmm. but you might be really focused on a period of time of like the, the history of wars. Well, somehow the stories in that period that you are somehow find yourself fascinated by are going to provide insights into how you do what you do better. You know, they're all stories in history, no matter what you think. It's a story of human um, involvement, human um, engagement and processes. So if you find um, stories about about people in a thing that you're interested in, Mm -hmm. you'll find great people are creators, great people are resilient, great people um, suffer um, let down and disappointment. Right. Uh, so great people come back from those things. And then just that, because you know, everything about vintage wine, you'll know the story of how these people had to plow and the first 15 crops failed. And right. some, even though you're like, well, I know about this, I could pick the best bottle of wine when I'm with my friends and you can go on and on about this, these, these, um, different, um, blends of grape and so on. Um, you can go also go on to talk about the thing that you do that's unrelated because you have story of other people in other things. So it's, it's really something I think rich about um, being hyper knowledgeable about something right. It gives you a sense of like, you know, wow, there's something that no, that no matter what, I know as much as almost anybody out there. But, but on that, so on, and I'm glad you mentioned that because I think, and, and tell me what what you your perspective is attached to that uh, that greater sense of knowing or that expertise. When you say that there has to be a why that's attached to that to to have that passion or that obsession 
over that. Mm-hmm. And, and as we talked about earlier, um, having a why that is greater or bigger than yourself, right? Yeah. And so mm-hmm. I, I want to ask you, when was your why created and what is it attached to? And, and does it change or has it changed or is it remain constant? Um, all right. That's great to unpack that. Um, the, the, the why, the why has shifted because I think we all mature, uh, into different kind of places. And of course your, your early why, your early whys might be a function of who you're around. You know, if you're immediate, you know, you can only be what you can see a lot of people talk about. So you have to constantly sort of broaden the things that you're seeing in the first place. If you just, if you're only seeing the, you know, the eight blocks from 129th to 124th or whatever, then, you know, that, that, um, you know, and in the, the surrounding areas that that might not really get you to a, um, a place where you can imagine other things. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you're, you're born where you're born. We don't have that choice, but you, um, you do very early, especially today, have an opportunity to see things that are beyond your immediate place. So the first sort of, um, I don't know, iteration or, you know, evolutionary stage of myself was very focused on this accomplishment, like checking boxes. I, I remember listening to Michelle Obama and when she talked about, you know, her book, Becoming, she says, you know, I, I just wanted to check boxes. I wanted to do this because my dad said, you know, you need to have a, <clears throat> a, you know, a, a high education and you need to work at a particular place and you need to make a particular, a, a certain right. amount of money. And you have to, you know, those are all kind of maybe the fundamentals yep. of just kind of, of, of like, um, arriving at yourself. Um, but in that process, if you're kind of, che- even in the box checking phase, you want to be checking boxes at a competitive high level. You mm-hmm. want to be the person that stands out in that. And so if you have that, um, that focus in that um, determination, um, then the other parts, the next iteration or the next kind of phase of yourself becomes that much more important because once you check off these sort of like rote boxes, then you're moving into another um, area where you're like, okay, now I can't check boxes. Now I have to create boxes. I have to create Mm. boxes that don't look like what other people have told me this box is. This is my own box. Mm. How do I fill this in? And what are the what are the sort of elements of that? So it, it, it did start early. It's had a lot of different kind of stages in life, um, but but the why part, which is kind of the core of your question, uh, the why is I have um, you know I have got to do things that I know um, uh, as cliche as it sounds um, are are broadening the best interests of people who I identify with. And there's a lot of people who uh, who came from places like I came from. I grew up in Compton and Linwood. Um, certainly not like um, rough and tough or you know lacking in basic stuff. Right, you know, we were right. solid, probably very middle class family. Um, but um, but nonetheless, I saw a lot of um, a lot of dis- a lot of despair, and I saw a lot of things that um, I thought could be uh, better, especially as the way as in the way that um, my community interfaced with the government. You know, I saw a lot of a lot of government harms, and the government has so many different um, extensions, so many tentacles. Whether it's you know police, and whether it's um, you know taxing, whether it's um, services provided, um, you know whether it's you know healthcare. There's so many elements of government that I saw that were just not right, mm-hmm. and so my my focus and my cause has has constantly been and has evolved to uh, to be 
where that's what we have to take on. And we can't, we can get their attention in certain ways. You can make noise in the streets. You can try to elect the right people. You can vote. All are very, very important and critical. But ultimately, the government has responsibilities. And, lot, and, and when they run afoul of those responsibilities, there's often a law that says you have run afoul of those responsibilities and you can be held accountable. Government wakes up to money, just like every other sort of living thing in a capital uh, condition. So um, we started with lawsuits. I've represented obviously hundreds and hundreds, of, as you know, not obviously, but hundreds of people in the arena of, of criminal defense work and, and um, have done a lot of that work, trial work, um, one off. But I felt a lot like a mercenary. Like I was going in and just doing one at a time, mm -hmm. one at a time. And I knew this was much bigger. So um, me and my colleagues started Justice X. Um, but you, know, wait, wait. To you, you, you said you knew it was much bigger. You knew it was much bigger in terms of what you needed to do, or you knew that why was much bigger in you? Both, actually. So the why became bigger because of my recognition that while I felt good and while it was it was uh, relatively financially um, you know rewarding to do just what I was doing, you know, making a fine living, doing only defense work, which yeah. is actually kind of hard to get to that point, um, you know. But you know, all the bells and whistles, you know, the, the material things I wanted, I was I was able to accumulate. Um, and uh, but the but that's true. The the why what's true is the why was still kind of brimming in me. And I knew that me going into the various courtrooms and coming out with a win sometimes or coming out with a better result and making decent money was um, so isolated mm -hmm. in terms of if, if I can just see the serious harms that were happening in my cases and that I was able to turn many of these cases into wins for the people I was representing. How many more must be like them? I'm just one person in mm -hmm. one court in one city. Mm -hmm. um, and, and really, and I can only be in one physical space at a time. Right. How many of these severe wrongs are happening in a way that individuals don't have the resources to get a, an investigator, to get an attorney who has the time to devote to the case, who has, you know, law clerks that can research issues and develop strategies? That I wanted to turn into something that was much larger than just the the uh, the moment of me, uh, the, the sort of... Um, the sort of uh, status of myself. And so that why, because that why is, I know this is a much larger issue. Mm -hmm. I extend it out to other people uh, and I need to train other people and get other people involved who can help us on this very critical mission. Right. And it sounds like the way, I don't, don't want to belabor this point, but it sounds like the way you got to that next, that level up that you spoke about a minute ago is asking that critical question uh, you're, you, you've accomplished and you have achieved the thing that you want. You got the perks and the, the money and whatever else. Right. But then you noticed an opportunity and I'm sure in that moment, there was some level of fear in terms of expansion, but you asked, I know you first, you made a statement. I know that there is a greater opportunity. I know there is more injustices happening outside of what I'm currently seeing in this experience. Yes. How can I help more? How can I expand this broader than my current position? And so it, it sounds like that first question to self broadened the why, made it bigger. And then yeah. because that why was bigger and it was already encapsulated in the passion and the obsession, that is what 
kind of catapulted you and took you to the next level. Is that accurate? Yes, yes. And so, you know, one of the things that I do along the way is I constantly kind of check myself. Um, I, I constantly, um, you know, really um, don't settle into the idea that I got it right or that I got it, you know, a win, for example, in one case, which, which we define as a win and, and people define wins in all kinds of ways. You could have two lawyers in a case on opposite sides and they both walk out and say, I won, right. you know, right. And, and so that's a matter of sort of interpretation. Um, it's not as literal all the time. Um, but, but the, uh, but I, even in a case where I, I have gotten the outcome, let's put it this way, that, that we are targeted as the, as the ideal outcome or, or the best outcome under the circumstances. And that's been achieved to my client's satisfaction, to my own standard. I constantly ask, even then, did I get there, um, using the best tools? Was I super efficient? Was I, how many mistakes did I make along the way? And we know this, we know that we learn more from our losses than our wins. Mm -hmm. Wins make you glow, wins make you feel like you beat the other person. It's primal, right. you know, the primal instinct is to conquer the other competition or the other uh, species or the other tribe that's around us because we want to be ahead. But, but really, uh, when you lose uh, or when you e or even if you are willing to sort of dissect or or do a, a, a post uh, a post-mortem autopsy on the things that you did so-called right yes you'll find all sorts of opportunities that you can kind of enrich and do better and then you have to take those and you really have to go write those down yeah. and you really have to suffer the uncomfortable moment of being told about what's wrong with you you know <laughs> i watch him um, and, and be told by other professionals and be told by non-professionals yes, too. Yes. You have to broaden your audience to exposure. Even this podcast is an opportunity for me to sort of like self-examine how am I presenting it? Is this a logical flow? Does this make sense to people? You know, is this going to be something that is worthwhile? And 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 in that process of, of examination, you constantly sort of re-examine what you've done before mm -hmm. and, and are open to, and, and not just open to, but hungry for, um, new um, idea about how you uh, how you how you perform. Right. Uh, you know, I think reading a lot is important. I think you know people watch TV and all that kind of stuff. But I think reading is important. I think you have to find things that because there's something about the connective event of reading something. And reading is unlike um, so many other forms of, I guess, you know, uh, entertainment. Right. 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 Generally requires logic. Generally requires structure. So structure is kind of how you can build things. Things are built with structure. Things right. aren't built with, with like all sorts of just random things thrown into it. Yeah, and I'm glad you mentioned that because it, this is actually flowing better than I intended. I thought I was going to be hopping around, but it, it goes right into it. So you mentioned reading. So mm -hmm. break down for you, what role does information play into your life advancement? Not, not just career, but just life. Cause right. You, mm. you, when you, I, I don't want to give it away. You go ahead and you explain. <laughs> All right. All right. So, you know, so are we, are we talking about like what, like what role reading and writing and no, that no, 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 plays? no, just information, information, just okay, information, gotcha. you know, so there's obviously right now a ton of information that can distract you from yourself. You can be easily entertained by YouTube all day long with yes. funny little videos and things that will be like, wow, that's cute. That's funny. Oh, you know, whatever. But that is, um, 
that's information. It's still some form of information, and occasionally it has some value. Um, but the information that I choose to consume are information about people who I believe um, have characteristics that I um, admire in some way um, and respect. Mm -hmm. So information I try to consume is from people that I, I believe have done their thing, whatever that thing is, at a level that I would say, if I were in that industry, that's what I'd like to do. Mm -hmm. If I were in you know, uh, finance or if I was a hedge fund manager, who's the who are the people that are the best hedge fund managers? I go listen to that, what they're, they're talking about. Mm -hmm. There's information from those people about what they've done in other circles and, we, and what they've done in, um, in other, uh, as they built up, as we kind of referenced earlier about, you know, people, you know, the story of other people. Um, and so the information I consume is not necessarily about just what I do as far as practicing law and, and right. litigating cases. It's really about uh, other people way outside of that realm. Mm. And what they've done, um, you know, I have my favorite historical figures and I look at like what they've done and I go, okay, well, we'll look at the path that they took. And man, you look back and the, the, the things, the sort of finished product we often see, we see someone like a, a performer, like a prince or, uh, you know, a leader like a Barack Obama. Yeah. And we look at this sort of finished product and we go, look at that, that person's great. But you, you always discover along the way, the many travails that they had. Yeah. And, and. And then you start to say that they didn't get there early, but because I know that they must have persisted um, through that and you hear what they persisted through. And sometimes it was much more challenging, at least in scale yeah. than what you're going through at the moment, then you know, you can kind of get there, but you have to make it, you have to be, it, it has to still be conscious, you know? And I will say this <clears throat> with some degree of, um, I don't know, um, you know, um, not, not quite sadness, but some acceptance that not, and, and never in history has there everyone going to be, everyone is going to be like working at 100%. There's always going to be slackers. There's always going to be people that want to kick it and catch, you know, catch yeah. a friend. I mean, biology is that way. Nature is that way. The ocean is that way. There's always some, you know, a group of fish that all they do is follow the other one around and yeah. wait for some waste to drop off, you know? Because you um, need that. You need yeah. that, right? Because that yeah, that's yeah. what creates yeah. uh, harmony. Correct, correct. But you also can decide consciously uh, whether that's the role that you want to really be in. Mm. And uh, the fact of the matter is, it's not. It, it, I, I believe the one one of the distinguishing characteristics of being a, a person is that, especially a person that has um, relative exposure to opportunity and a pathway to get there, however challenging, is that we can shift. We can pivot. Mm -hmm. We can move to different spaces and directions, and that allows us uh, the sort of the new um, experience that um, that that we uh, may have just denied ourselves before. Right, right. What what's your method for staying in pursuit of your goals despite setbacks and perceived impossibilities? I look back to where I, uh, I, I think about some of my friends I grew up with who, uh, who maybe didn't make it. And I think that um, it's, I, I, I used to use this metaphor, like it's kind of all bonus time. You think about like a game, back when I used to play games when I was a kid, they had, you had to put some money in the thing in an arcade, you know? Um, and uh, I know a long time ago, um, but what you had to do with, so you would get bonus time if you like got a certain distance and then you got another bonus round, bonus round, right? So I, I look at a lot of it as kind of, it's already bonus time for me. 
you know, so I'm mm-hmm. playing with house money. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't worry about like what thing, um, you know, like what the, 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 the risk is of, you know, taking chances. And so that kind of keeps me, I reference like what has, what opportunities other people really never had. And I look at it as, well, why can't I just take whatever they might've been and then my own goals too, and then use that to launch into the spaces that I really want to be in. Hmm. So, so that, that, that the, the fuel really does come from historic. Um, we, we all have some sort of trauma, um, you know, in our lives, we all have something that made us uncomfortable or upset. Some people it's yes. about their parents or their siblings or where they live or an experience they had or experiences they've had. Um, and, and so when you take that, um, that th- th- those uh, experiences, those occurrences, and then you shift that to say, well, then I'm already, you know, hurting or I've already hurt. So what's the, how much more can it hurt? But if I, kind of move into a different space. Right, know? right. Uh, but that's so challenging for people to do, like, because I think they're so stuck or immersed in the hurt. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it's hard for them to say, yeah, that hurt. Let me get up and dust myself off, maybe put some Neosporin on the scratch and, and move forward. And, and it's that fear that paralyzes, that the fear of the pain paralyzes people and it stops, stops them dead in their tracks. But then we have people like yourself that you can get broken bones and what have you, and you get up and tape them up and keep and keep going. And and I think there there's something that's happening on the inside mentally. I think with people that have that type of tenacity, that I don't know if it doesn't exist in these in other individuals or if if these people haven't discovered how to unlock that secret door that gives them that fire to keep, to say, you know what? I know my arm is broke right now, but let me get back on it and try again. We see it in, 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 in uh, sports a lot, especially like skateboarders and, and bike riders. They're, they're after this pursuit of this particular trick. They may break their, their, their teeth, their, the bones, fractures, and yet they will get back on that board or on that, on that utility, whatever it is, and do it again, even though they almost died. It's something to be said about that. Yeah, I, I do think that that really uh, does translate into other uh, walks of life and the other approaches to challenge. Um, you know, setbacks, I mean, um, well, Tony Robbins says that challenges are gifts, I mean, problems are gifts. You know, yeah. Tony Robbins, we all know right. motivational. Um, you know, he says problems are gifts because we don't exist without problems. And I think that one of the most um, salient examples of that is you look at people who are like uber wealthy mm-hmm. and you go, well, these people have everything that I want. I would love to live in Malibu on the top of the hill with five cars and people to help me with everything and the good life, so-called, right? Yeah. And yeah. everything, the party and, you know, severe depression. Um, in these individuals, um, you know, um, lack of connection, um, you know, substance abuse, not all the time, but certainly at a, probably a, at least a similar or higher pace than the people who are suffering the most in real terms. Mm-hmm. So you, you, you have to have a problem in life to have a purpose in life. You have mm-hmm. to have a challenge in life to have a conviction. 
And so if it becomes meaningless if you were to get up every day and to waltz around your little private, uh, you know, secured neighborhood and, you know, walk your dog and come back and have, you know, lattes and orange juice for a squeeze. And then what else? I mean, after that, that, that is that path of mental illness, the repeating the same thing when you have the means. So you've got to, so very often what you find in individuals like that is small problems. Like my dog has an ingrown toenail, become huge. Right. A small issue, like my um, esthetician is uh, moving uh, to Arizona. Uh, what am I going to do about my eyebrows? You know, mm. I mean, small problems become big problems because if you think about it, they need a problem too. And if you talk to people who have all the means in the world, they will lament and complain about problems that you and I will laugh at very often. Right. So it is true that for them to have purpose, they still, they too, um, with all their resources, identify their lives as being troubled and problematic and very often do drastic things like, um, you know, overdosing, yep. suicide, and so on. These are real, real challenges to them. They have set up in their, their mind that, that this existence is troubled. The difference is um, sometimes, you know, not having the tools to keep plowing through it all. They haven't been set up with those tools so that the the, 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 the hurdles and, and the um, obstacles that get in the way become all consuming and um, non-negotiable and they just kind of flatten at those things. Right. What's your secret to, to maintaining coolness and a level head in the midst of chaos? Because I've seen you being like battle tested and you're just like, I mean, you know, hey, this is what it is. And <laughs> just, just cool. <laughs> I have not, and I've known you for some time now, maybe about 15 years or so, but I have not seen you sweat, never seen you anxious or anxiety or panic or, and you've been in some extreme circumstances in your personal life and, as well as career. But you just like, Rico Suave or something. <laughs> so what? <laughs> I never thought of myself right there, but I do find that um, that I, you know, perspective is a lot, and I'm, I'm blessed to have you know extraordinary parents. My my dad is a person who is, is was is and was unflappable. You know, didn't really nothing much phase him. Um, you know, uh, he he was not you know Jamaican bred. You know man, highly accomplished individual here. Um, and so, you know, th there's something about his culture and his background that nothing really rattled him. Mm -hmm. And in fact, like a lot of kids grew up in my time, he didn't, he didn't want you to show a lot of emotion or, uh, or whatever uh, around, you know, problems. You know, what's the big deal? Suck it up, get back out there and do it. Um, that part was, was a significant, you know, but the other part is you really do have to look at it like, you know, world travel helps a lot. And I'm blessed to have traveled a lot of places. Mm -hmm. You know, so we have, in, from a, a sort of American-centric view, we have this idea what other countries are like. Oh, this is a third world country. Oh, this is an impoverished area. Oh, this is a high crime places. Oh, don't go there because they have poor water and sanitation and whatever, right? And then you go to those places and you find people living the most incredibly rich, excited, connected, and I probably would say happy lives mm -hmm. in comparison to what you see when you come back here, when everybody's blowing their horns, mad at each other, crawling over one another, complaining about 
every little event in their lives. Um, and you get to that perspective gives you uh, another weapon in facing obstacles. And you go, I was just in, you know, Guadalajara and I saw kids that were like getting, you know, uh, waiting for the, the ice to melt at the market so they can just fill up a little cup and take it home. You know, uh, so so you you know what? If, if if this kid can do that, how who am I not to be able to face whatever it is? Right. Because I'm already well, like years above the circumstances of just being able to worry about can I have you know some milk in the refrigerator or something mm. enough to eat? And it's it, what's more, going to those places, you see a thread of happiness and you see a thread of contentment and you see connection and you see what I think very often is missing here is a connection to the larger community so that they know that their survival is interdependent. And they know that if they bring today, someone else will bring tomorrow. Um, and it sort of, it's that, that's what building is all about. And I think that a lot of uh, what we face today are these sort of imaginary obstacles that are not nearly as, as um, you know, um, sort of existential or fundamental as what you see other people face. So I just dig in, it's, it's, nothing seems that serious to me yeah you know? i know, <laughs> I know. <laughs> would you say that you lead your you lead your life by your choices or your decisions well i think um i think uh, decisions are secondary to choices right so you you make a choice about something uh about person you want to be with or a place you want to live or a school you want to attend or, or a position that you want to attain. Um, and then you execute choices with decisions. So you first, you first of all, you, you, you make a selection about something and then the, and then the decision making process is how are you getting there? Mm. Um, so I think the first thing that, that to be thoughtful and purposeful, and we talked in the beginning of this about, you know, just the writing the goals on the wall or whatever. And I used to write stuff in Sharpies in my room for a while. <laughs> I wanted to be there. I wanted to be like, you're going to, I'm going to see this every day. Here's my financial goal. Here's my, all these other kind of career goals. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and so when, when you do that, you know, it does, th then you've made a choice about something mm -hmm. and then what, to a choice and choice actually feels good by the way like choice does feel like you know you when you really settle up on something there's very often some uncertainty about the things that we have ch chosen to do yeah so the next process well what decisions do i need to make to execute that choice mm -hmm. to the way to the extent that it is um consistent with you know um my desired outcome yeah and then that's an every, and of course there are more choices every day and more decisions to be made as you continue to go along. Uh, you know, the human brain is, is capable of, of incredibly complex operations that we, um, that we ignore. Uh, we actually can take on a whole lot more than we make. I'm, I'm, you, there's some good books I'm, I've been reading and I'm, I'm reading a lot. A book called Scarcity I'm reading right now. Scarcity? Uh, and Scarcity, yeah, okay. S-C-A-R-C-I-T-Y. And it basically talks about how um, we've all had a moment where we've had a deadline. Uh, you, you know, you've got something that has to be done today. It's like, I don't know if it's your taxes or a term paper or uh, uh, printing an application somewhere, um, but you've got to do it. And you've put it off, put it off, put it off. 
And then the night before it's due, it's due, you know, the next morning or whatever, some short term where you know this is all I got is this next block of time and it's not, a, it's not enough. How am I going to do this? And in that time space, that condensed time period, you took what was something that you thought was going to be done over a two-week period of time and you suddenly have 10 hours and you, you get it all in. And then you look at, at the end, you sweat, you, you know, you, you concern, you worry, you edit, you don't pick up your phone for a while, you only focus on the thing, you don't eat, whatever. And then the product is outstanding. Yes. You know, you've taken something in 10 hours that they gave you two weeks for, that many people say you're going to need two weeks to do. Yeah. But the scarcity of time in that moment, is this, 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 was, this was the scarcity of time, um, made you tune in all of your energies toward completion of something that would otherwise have taken time and time. So if you can do that trick to yourself in a way yeah. and turn yourself up more often to turn a focused period into to turn time into its best focused potential, then that is the high point of accomplishment. Mm-hmm. All the time talk about that. I had a deadline and had a crunch. That's when I came up with the hook for the song. That's when I came up with the idea for this play. That's when I came up with a solution for the problem. You know, and so we you have to understand that and, and that is the human brain at its highest capacity mm. to me. When you're taking these little moments of a of a storm and you're absolutely locked in, that is something that we're capable of all the time. We just don't do it. Right. So you have to kind of create your own um system and structure of saying, what does my desperation look like? And I need to inject that into a lot of what I'm doing so that then my product is far outpacing anybody else who's just been kind of, you know, you know, uh, you know, walking along through it where you're had this focused, energized period. And that's what you can do a lot of, a lot of times. You have to take idea of scarcity and use it to, to convert that into uh, accomplished, focused, purposeful, um, design and execution. Right. A few more questions. What leader do you look up to and admire? Well, it's still, it's still my dad. My dad is, uh, I'm very lucky to have my dad. Um, you know, he's, um, you know, and that's funny. I'm lucky to have that because not everyone can say that. I do know that. True. Um, but I, I, I look up to him as someone that is, you know, um, you know, stayed the course the whole time. I mean, you think about when my dad grew up like in the fifties, you know what I mean? And sixties, you know, when it was the stuff that they were going through growing up coming of age. Um, and you think, you know, that that was, and then you see the life of John Lewis, who's similar age to my father. Mm-hmm. And, and I think, man, these guys were going through some stuff. And, um, you know, so you, you, you hear the stories and you, um, and then you research it. I think of him as an outstanding leader. I think in my, in my profession, I have you know more than one. Of course, um, but they, but there there are uh, folks out there that I, I look up to. I've, I've been lucky to attend some trainings with a lawyer named Jerry Spence, who's got this kind of legendary, um, you know, sort of uh, history, uh, and and decided that he was going to use it to train other lawyers how to how to be their their best, uh, do their best in their in their respective um, disciplines, and and watch him. And, and so I look up to like just how he runs his program and how he, um, you know, has been unafraid to take on the most challenging um, cases and the most the most unpopular positions mm-hmm. uh, and and things that people scorned him, lost friends behind it, 
Uh, you know, you should never do that. And and yet he just stayed doing it. And when you see him and you talk to him, he's kind of always got this kind of like sort of like light smile on his face. And he's he's a much older guy now. Um, but I, I do look up to some people like that. I do that believe that resilience is something that can, uh, you can learn from other people as well, just uh, sort of connecting to their story. Okay. What makes a leader great and iconic? Um, you know what? That's that's such a function of the people around them and how they see them. Mm. You know, so like you can be a gangbanger. You can be a gangbanger. And people are like, he's the legendary such and such, you know? <laughs> This is a, he's a big dog. You know, if you, uh, if you ever read the autobiography of Malcolm X, I think there was a, there was a guy, um, uh, was it West Indian Archie? Uh, if you remember the book, he was this legendary um, guy who was like feared in Harlem and everybody knew who he was and, you know, don't mess with him. And, oh, he's a big guy. And, and he was a man until somebody came from out of town. So he was iconic in that, in that space mm -hmm. until somebody, came from out of town, a younger person, had no idea who he was, and shot and shot and killed him. If I remember the story going something like that. So Icon, it had the other person known who he was shooting, maybe he never would have shot the man. But but so I, iconicness or the, the status of being an icon is so relative to the space you're occupying. Yes. We in LA see people as they're iconic, they're huge. And someone in Missouri or Delaware has, has no idea who um, this person is and would walk right past him and not even know. Right. We don't know a somebody until we see them enough times and, and hear enough people talking about them. Yeah. But without that, they're basically obscure. They, they're, they live in obscurity. So <clears throat> I think it's relative. I think that, that uh, iconic status is derived from being um, of understanding of the culture that you're in and uh, um, uh, mastering the tools of that culture and being able to um, also convey that to other people so they can see that you're a living exemplar of the of some aspect of the best of what this culture uh, has to offer. Right, okay. Final question. I don't know if you remember this from the last, last episode you were on, but this is called the tabula rasa, which stands for mm -hmm. blank slate. All right, mm -hmm. so you be, you're, imagine you're an artist, as you are in, in law. Uh, you have a blank canvas, canvas in front of you, and you have all the colors that you can possibly want or need. And what you're going to do on this canvas, you're going to draw or paint your life. Now, here's the caveat. You have a law firm that is global. You have um, served and won, literally won, millions of cases for uh, impoverished people, um, the injustices, you have launched schools, you have trained all the attorneys, you have um, traveled the world, you've read all the books that you could possibly want to read. Uh, you were in Sydney are just are killing it. You guys are blossoming. Your kids are grown. They have kids. Everyone is successful. The health is phenomenal. You've accomplished every single thing in life that you wanted. Coming back to this blank canvas, what picture do you paint for your life? What colors do you use? Well, if I understand the question, you're saying, is this, is this uh, sort of a, uh, a retrospective where I'm going and at what I've done and then creating what I've already accomplished and turning that into a, an image of some sort? Or is this something that I'm starting anew what I would 
then do after all the other accomplishments. Yeah, yeah, you're so after you have completed everything and now you're just going to paint a picture of your life and what you see, what you want, it, it, it's totally up to you in terms of what you see of yourself internally. Um, it could be progressive, meaning it can be in the future, it can be in the present, it can be an encapsulation of, of everything. It, there's, there's no limit to this picture. Well, I, I think my picture, if, if, if I were to kind of have that kind of uh, uh, artistic and creative skill to actually make it into an image, um, it, would, it would look a lot like a thread. It would just be kind of a cord. It would be a multicolored cord that would be, um, um, would have so, so many different sort of materials in it. It would have material that was like um, malleable and soft. It would have material that was strong and like, you know, rigid. It would have um, all the hues of the spectrum in, in it. Um, and it would be able to adjust to um, heat and endure extreme cold, and um, it would be, um, you know, uh, yeah, kind of large in scope. It would kind of go up at sometimes and go down at sometimes, but it would it would look like kind of a cord, um, and, and that's kind of the image that I would create. That's sometimes, in some respects, the way I, I imagine myself. That Bruce Bruce Lee used to talk about, um, you know, flow, and so despite his his, his um, um, Acting success, and obviously he was a martial art art uh, martial arts expert. Bruce Lee was a, a kind of a heavy philosopher too, and uh, and the reason why he was successful in his craft is he talked about um, uh, flow a lot, mm -hmm. and he said that a lot of his moves were about flow, and he said you you, you need to flow like water, you know, yeah. um, and he, and he talked about that because he said you know we're often resisting um, things that we don't need to resist and. Um, and that if you can adjust to the movement that's there, then you can become sort of, um, uh, there's a symmetry in that. Yeah. Um, and then other times you can, because by developing a symmetry, you can also shape it too. So that's kind of um, my best stab at that, uh, that answer. But I would, I would definitely create something that, that, that's got all these kind of different colors and elements in it that can adjust to um, the, all the extremes that we have on both sides of uh, uh, of life. I like it. I like it. I think that's a, that's a great picture because it's, it's multifaceted. Um, I want to salute you, honor you. Thank you for all the work that you are doing, all that you have done. Um, especially what you're working on now in terms of the community with justice X, um, and, and also just the impact that you've had on my life personally, it has been it's been huge you have no idea and i appreciate you as a friend um a brother and everything else i love you i think you're amazing keep it up i'm behind you 110 percent now i want to open the floor up for you to put your information out there how can people participate in justice x um if they need representation in terms of an attorney how can they get a hold of you just put your information all right. Well, great. Yeah. So what we form now is uh, we have two, we have this is justice-x.com, uh, which is a full service law firm. We do focus on the interests of the black and brown communities. We believe that there's a lot of uh, integration between those two, a lot of common interests that, that go ignored. 
uh, and a lot of waste that we want to make sure, and a lot of uh, failed representation that we believe we can do at, at an extremely high level. Um, the, the, the common interests are many. Um, and so you can reach us at justice-x.com and our phone number is 877-71-JUSTICE. Uh, an arm of Justice X is our nonprofit that we started, which is really focused on education. We started a, an organization in the wake of the George Floyd um, uh, tragedies and other events that we know that have riled, uh, roiled our, our, our country for a long time and actually around the world. We started the Protesters Defense Alliance, and we, we really turned that into an education arm where we educate young people. We want to be in uh, after-school programs, classes. We have many volunteers, over 125 volunteers right now, attorneys, administrators, paralegals, teachers, social workers that are in our group. And what they're doing is they're helping us build this curriculum, but they're also helping us be present um, at all these, uh, at many of the events that we can respond to, where we know that we there are defined civil wrongs that have happened, and they happen, unfortunately, every single week, probably just in LA County alone. So we, we know that the, you know, the incarceration rate is high for black people and Latino people, way higher than other ethnic groups. And we wanna make sure that we turn all those talented individuals, give them another opportunity to do something that is outside of that, um, that, that, that sort of um, really a business model that, um, that the government relies on, that, that, that uh, courts rely on, that prisons rely on, that um, a lot of industry relies on and saying, let's capture these young men and women when they're kids, get them in the system and we got a customer for life uh, in, in the penal system. And that we just think is, is avoidable and something that uh, we, can, we can definitely redirect. So that's our, um, our, our um, nonprofit arm. And we're involved in a lot of conversations right now. We have a role in uh, what's happening with the, the homelessness initiative, the huge one. We're at the top, we're at, have an actual seat at a very small table there. So those are the things, volunteering. Uh, we take volunteers for all of our work. We need tons of help. We, um, we, we love it when people uh, tell us about things that have happened to them and share so that we can uh, convert that into action. Someone, someone may think that something is not a big deal uh, and it is a big deal. Uh, and, and there are things that we can do to, to help um, correct wrongs that have happened to people. So we're a full service law firm. Uh, and, and so we're here uh, for the community and are here to stay. Excellent. That's fantastic. Awesome, man. Thank you for coming on. Ladies and gentlemen, Austin Dove. I think all of us should attempt to find our biggest fear and intentionally place ourselves in discomfort as Austin suggested. When we are in intense situations, our best tends to shine and we typically perform at the highest level. That is when our charge is taken and we lead up. Austin needs volunteers for Justice X. If anyone is able to contribute, please go to justice-x.com and sign up. Give us a follow on Instagram at Lead Up Lifestyle. Help us improve communities through our Black Business Initiative. Simply go to the bottom of the Lead Up podcast description and click the support link. Thank you for listening. And as always, keep leading up.